Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. All right, welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. You guys are in luck today. I have one of my favorite people, Chris Wynn from Tradesman Brewing Company here in lovely, beautiful Charleston. What's happening? I want to introduce their story to you before we get started. And the Tradesman journey is, is founded by husband and wife team, Scott and Sarah Gail McConnell. Tradesman Brewing opened as the first brewery on James Island in April 2014 and became part of the growing Charleston beer community. Scott and Sarah Gale had extensive home brewing experience, which fueled their dream of starting their own commercial brewery. Co-owner Chris Wynn, sitting here next to me, me, joined the team in January of 2015 with years of brewery experience and a love of local beer. So glad to have you on the show, my friend. Thank yeah, you so man. much. Thanks for having me. I'm psyched. Why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and how you kind of got into the beer game with Tradesman? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I don't have any technical brewing knowledge. Uh, I'm sort of a jackass of all trades and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, actually fell into the craft beer world back in the early 90s when I moved to, um, went to start going to college in, in a small town in northern Colorado. And um, nice. from there fell into one brewery job, which landed me in Charleston, which fell into another brewery job, which landed me with an opportunity to Join on with Scott and Sarah Gale, sort of uh, doing it for my doing it for ourselves as, as an actual at a owner's level. So, took that opportunity about six years ago, and um, here we are today. We've you know started on James Island in a tiny little shop, and then moved to our, our current location here at uh, Upper King Street nice. uh, about three and a half years ago. So, for a lot of our listeners, and we have actually people all over the country who listen to the show, uh, Charleston's a really beautiful place if you haven't been here before. And one of the great things about this city is all the wonderful beer you can find here, right? Absolutely. It's, and it's changed a lot. I mean, when I moved here in 2009, there were two breweries in Charleston, one in Greenville, and one in Spartanburg. So, fast forward 11 years, we are currently at 100 breweries in the state of South Carolina, wow. and 34 of them are in Charleston. Well, there was Thomas Creek, right? That was in Greenville. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Uh, R.J. Rockers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he had Palmetto. And then the youngest of the four was uh, Coast Brewing Company. That's He's right. still in operation. All right. Very cool. So what's really made the, the, the beer business explode in the way that it has recently? Do you have any, any keen idea on that? Yeah, I do. Um, it, it's actually a good, a good question. So you, you think you can have a business model and you might be able to reapply it anywhere. If you tried to come to South Carolina to open up a brewery in the mid 2000s, you would have had a hard time because uh, you couldn't sell beer that was over 6.2% alcohol. So once the legislation known as pop the cap was done in 2007, that opened the door for both uh, local breweries to expand their offerings, but also for lots of other breweries outside the state to come into South Carolina, start selling their, their, their beers. So that was a catalyst for craft beer boom and something of a slingshot effect to, to get to get South Carolina up to what North Carolina had been doing for years or what was going on for years in Colorado or New York or California. 
So all those things sort of expedited the development. Mm -hmm. And then from between 2007 into 2011, 2012, we saw some other legislative changes that allowed us to start selling beer by the pint over our own bars and things that really helped fund nano breweries, really small breweries um, that were viable just a few years earlier. So, you know, our the business of making beer, selling beer hasn't changed a whole lot, but the legislative and legal landscape really facilitated the boom as we've seen it now where small breweries that can sell pints to the general public because you can come in, you know, uh, that, that wasn't even legal seven years ago. I, th I feel like legislation changes in, in a lot of businesses. People kind of have creative ways they can get around the legislation that, that come around. Like for, for instance, I'm, I'm in finance. And so there are, there's legislative changes that we have to always recognize and understand and read through it. Sure. So we can help our clients figure out ways to circumvent those new laws or just try to find ways that they have to just abide by them now. So it opened yeah. up the doors completely for the, the beer industry nationwide. Mm -hmm. And now there's like, what, how many Charleston breweries are there? There's Again, it's like 34 just in, in the greater Charleston area, which is crazy. And most of that's predicated by the fact that now we can sell beer to customers by the pint, mm -hmm. right? If you have a kitchen, you can sell more than three pints of beer. Yeah. Although I think our average, really only see people come in having a couple of beers because we're in kind of a newly formed Charleston brewery district, right? So there's 10 breweries within a mile and a half of each other. So this is now beer tourism destination, yeah. which is not a thing that existed five years ago or 10 years ago. So um, we, we've seen that landscape change and, and you know, we have to be nimble and pivot quickly. And uh, some of those things provide some opportunities to grab some resources. And, uh, you know, the, the downside to brewing is that it's re resource intensive, right? So not just in raw material costs and the time it takes before, between the time you buy the raw materials and make the beer and then sell it to the distributor and then sell it to the market, and then get paid back by that distributor. You've also had to kind of reload cash into the system to repurchase more raw materials five or six times before you start seeing payment for the first batch of beer that went out the door. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of money. And then of course, brewing equipment is very expensive. So you it's almost pre-invest whatever you're gonna earn over the course of five or 10 years. Just when it comes to all the stainless steel. It's a lot of work. It's um, a lot of work and a lot of cash. Yeah, it's a great, yeah, it's a great way to spend money. If, you, if you're looking for a tax shelter, breweries might be the place. <laughs> Have you guys ever worked with any like venture capitalists or angel investors to give you some cash flow? No, we haven't. Um, not something that we're opposed to. And, and there are times where we've, you know, we, we, we held up that the um, kind of brass ring was that we started very small. We were self-funded, mm -hmm. right? Cashed out 401ks and things like that to buy some small equipment. And, and, really do a proof of concept on what we were making and how we were making it. And once we saw after three years that it was working, we were selling all the beer we could make. Uh, and we also had some sales trajectory that we could take to a bank. We thought that that was really the, the, the kind of gold bars like, all right, well now we're bankable. Nice. Right. Uh, in hindsight, just because you can get a loan from a bank doesn't mean it's, uh, it, it may not always be the best way to get money to do what you need to do. Um, but you know, anytime you've got to spend money that's not yours, there's uh, there's there's strings attached, and you just got to make sure you're in bed with the right kind of partner. There's a that. huge difference between venture capital and vulture capital. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, let's. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned cash flow here. I mean, obviously, this is a money podcast, and the reason people listen, I think, is to get some 
understanding around how different businesses can operate, generate yeah. more cash flow. And so what are some lessons that you'd like to share with others that are in the business ownership field? Sure. Uh, you know, obviously having a good handle on your books is, um, is of critical importance, right? Can, I mean, you, can you elaborate? Uh, just, just having a good, a good tax advisor. If you've got a good financial planner who can sit there and look at the resources you've got and help you crunch numbers on, on best ways to spend that money. Sometimes that's a, that, that's a, those are harder lessons to learn on your own and the mistakes can be expensive. You know, for us, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're not unique in the fact that you've got to have a building and you've got to have your space, you've got to build it out, but you know, we're not quite a restaurant, but we're like a restaurant in terms of the margin of our products that we sell. The margins are low, so you have to have high volume. Um, you know, doing any construction in the city of Charleston is definitely a challenge because of the, the drawn out process for permits. Uh, you would never know that we've had an economic downturn in the city by the number of cranes that are going around, right? <laughs> so trying to find a contractor and, and construction crews and subcontractors that can come help you get the job done yeah. are, uh, are, are not always easy and certainly not fast. Mm -hmm. um, so those, 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 those are all lessons. And, and uh, I, I guess when it comes to your, your actual question of me rambling, you know, when, when you're looking at any business model, you want to make sure you know what lanes the money's going in and you've got a very good sense of controls for how long each one of those lanes is supposed to take versus uh, what they're actually going to take. So you're saying knowing where your cash flow is coming from, where it's going, yeah. optimizing it and put it, putting it to its highest and best use is going to be... It's important. Uh, and then having a little bit of a buffer is, is great because, you know, like with the old adage about any construction project, it's going to take twice as long and cost you twice as much. Mm -hmm. That's that. That's a stereotype for a reason. Usually, any stereotype is. <laughs> you know, you gotta have. You gotta have. A, you gotta have a buffer. So, uh, have something in reserve. Nice. All right. Well, um, you know, I know that you're the atypical guest that we typically have on the show because, again, we're geared towards medical professionals, but everybody likes a good cocktail or a good beer. So, sure. Um, you know, being that this is a a restaurant restaurant type business, you know, you have. The lower margins that you talked about and cash is extremely important to any business because once you run out of cash, the business is pretty much dead at that point. Yes. You can't pay your liabilities. You can't pay your people. And the people are the best asset any business can own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what can any new business owners learn from, from you or maybe some of the mistakes that you've made along the way? What are some great things that you've, that you've done? And then what are some of the mistakes that you've uh, been victim of that you can teach others about? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, right now we're operating in some weird times, right? Coming into COVID, post -COVID during yeah. COVID, post COVID, you know, having, having good tight books has allowed us to access, you know, PPP money or idle, idle grants and idle loans from the SBA that, you know, some businesses are struggling to get their hands on because they, they, they don't have a good tight handle on their, on their numbers and, and, and have to be able to prove those things to the, to the banks and to the government. Right. Um, I think, Sometimes the PPP money was great. The first round, we were able to retain a lot of uh, staffing. Um, and then we spent that money. And then all of a sudden, there was not a second round of PPP and the economy hadn't rebounded. And so we did end up eventually losing some of the staff that I wish we could have kept because, yeah. you know, we, we had this big kind of gold rush uh, with some, some backed employment reserves. And then those reserves dried up and there wasn't anything behind it and the business wasn't there to support it, right? So it was sort of a delayed 
reaction or delayed time bomb for losing staff. Did they let you stay open and still serve beer during the time? We had, we, the first two months were, were, were rough here. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have it nearly as bad as some other states. And I'm very, very thankful that, you know, between our number of cases, what seems like um, a lower, maybe a lower mortality rate here, but also the, the fact that we weren't completely shut down. I mean, we live in a beautiful place, right? So you can go be outside and after the first initial two months where we couldn't have any customers stay and drink beer, they started lifting those restrictions where you could at least come if you could keep some distance. You had 50% of your capacity. You know, we've got this huge patio outside here where there's lots of room to spread out. And um, for us, it wasn't even about being really crowded as much as just if you came, you could find a seat and you could make it as far away from anybody else as you wanted to feel safe. Okay. Right. So that was, I think that was a huge advantage for us. You know, I, I think the big things in that regard are whether people feel good going out to restaurants and going out to eat again and going out to spend their money. And you've got, you know, maybe a stimulus check burning a hole in your pocket. And at the same time, you know, that's a good time to take that money and maybe reinvest it in something smart as opposed to, just going out and buying a new car because you don't know if your job's still going to be there. You know I mean? There's a, a lot of crazy ways people can light money on fire these days. It is burning a hole for a reason. It's burning know? a hole, man, coming in hot and heavy. You know? yeah. So I know, I know a lot of people have actually, like, they put a lot of money into their savings accounts. I mean, more, people are more flush with cash than they have ever been. Mm -hmm. And so I think for those that are seeking ways to spend it wisely, they can invest in businesses. They can, they can, they can, you know, have a, a charitable source uh, to mm -hmm. put that money towards, and they can even buy a fantastic pint at their favorite local brewery, right? So I, you know, is that too on the nose? <laughs> I don't think it's a so, but I've been coming to tradesmen for three or four years. I just love what you guys are doing. So you know, I'm, I'm honored to have you on as a guest, and I want, I want you to describe what makes tradesmen different than, or what, what's your, what's the thing that that people signify tradesmen with and and why do they want sure. to become a tradesman over any other brewery well that's a tough one i mean beer is beer is like oxygen right i mean you, you go back far enough in history and you'll see references of beer but there's not any a lot of not a lot of crazy stories i mean you find old mesopotamian recipes thousands of years ago a tradesman mead company yeah there. yeah right <laughs> uh you know beer is beer is a beer is a thing i mean it's something you want to think about something you can appreciate but it's also again like air if you want a beer, you can find one, mm -hmm. right? But we, we are certainly living in a time of an American beer renaissance where we have something like 8,700 breweries operating in the country. 10 years ago, that number was 1,100. I mean, it, was, wow. it wasn't until 2017 that we actually hit the number of U.S. breweries that we had before Prohibition shut them all down, right? So you're talking about, you know, 90 years to ramp back up. And now it's more breweries than ever. So okay. lucky you, yay America, good beer everywhere. <laughs> Red, white, and these, blue. These things are awesome. <laughs> so what makes us special, I think, you know, beer industry as, as, as a whole is lucky to have customers that want to come to the source, right? I mean, I love my iPhone. I'm not jumping on a plane to go to the factory to see where they're making them anytime soon. You haven't done that? And no, and it's probably gonna be real depressing. It's like a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, but when it comes to beer, people wanna to come to the factory. We make stuff. I mean, it really is a production facility. Mm -hmm. uh, and any brewery you go to, you're gonna see the equipment, you may not know what it does, but there's something that's magnetic to that and it draws you in and then you get to taste it and it's beer, which everybody already loves. And so then there's this 
kind of extra stickiness to uh, whatever that experience is. And we're, I mean, that, that's coming to us. Unlike so many other companies or commercial products out there, where you have to go out and find your customers and convince them to give you some of that gray matter. People come to the brewery and open the doors and say, teach me stuff. Oh. Tell me about your brands, right? Yeah. That's a very unique selling proposition yeah, uh, for, for any things, company. Right? Yeah, they come check yeah. out the brewery and they're, again, they want to learn about your beer. They want to know about your recipes. They want to know about your story. Uh, and, and again, nobody's doing that for Nissan. They spend millions of dollars to do Super Bowl ads uh, with Captain Marvel to, to convince you to buy the new whatever, right? Because nobody's going to the Nissan factory to see how they make the trucks. No. Right. So beer is a compelling story. Again, we're lucky. But we've got a very um, good and, and, and we're very fortunate to have, again, a customer that's interested in learning about us. And for us, Tradesman as a brand was about making really good beer, celebrating the trade that is brewing, celebrating all the other trades that support making beer happen, whether it's the welding or the electrical work or the plumbing or the carpentry. Okay. So it, it's not necessarily that we're a blue collar product. We're certainly not. But you, 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 it's not to, not just a polished process. Like craft beer doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of work, it takes some dirty jobs, right? As Mike Rowe would say. Uh, and then, uh, but in the end, you, you get something that you can appreciate, you can enjoy. And for us, we wanted to eliminate any pretense. Got it. That's a great answer, man. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, being this is a money podcast, I want to know how money as a as a tool and it means to an end has been used to elevate you and your business. And whether that's personally or professionally with tradesmen, what are some, what are some lessons you've learned about, about money and how you've used it as a tool to, as a, and a means to an end? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think every business has problems and those problems can be solved if you can throw cash at it. <laughs> uh, it's not always yeah, that yeah, simple. I, yeah. I wish it was that simple, but uh, you know, I, I think for us as a small startup, you know, the money piece has probably been the hardest part because there's always $1 that comes in and seven ways you can spend it. So we have to be very selective in which task needs the most attention, right? And, and they're, they're prioritizing, there are, there are definitely envelopes of the, what you absolutely have to do, what you need to do, and then what you want to do. And there's lots of times where the, what you want to do envelope stays empty because all the money's going to the things that you need to kind of keep the operation alive, yeah. right? Ideally, if you can sustain and survive that time frame where it takes to grow the business, you get to a point where eventually you can start to divert more of those resource, resources to the to the want the want bucket, right? Mm -hmm. But again, as you grow, your personnel costs grow, your production costs grow. You've got lots of your fixed costs are static, but all those variable costs as we increase production or add staffing you know, those things, uh, you have to manage all of those things. So, you know, our, our firm works a lot with a lot of small businesses, helping them protect, grow and, uh, and exit their business one day. There's just, you know, there's a lot of things in between that, you know, being that you, you've, you've hired, you've fired, you've, you know, let go of people, you've, you've built businesses from the ground up. What are some of the, uh, the lessons that you can teach to other business owners who want to start, you know, they have this dream, they want to open up a business, whether, whether it's like a food truck or, you know, they want to own a fortune 500 company one day, what are some things mm -hmm. that you can do that, 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 you know, what are some things you can share about the lessons you've learned along the way that they can start doing right away to make their business successful? That's a great question. Um, and if I was going to give you the realest answer I possibly could, 
is. I want it real. Most, just like the construction kind of metaphor or analogy where, you know, if it's going to take you twice as long, it's going to be twice as expensive. Um, there's no such thing as free success in small business. Like you have to, one, actually be good at what you do. Not just, I think I'm good at this, or my friends tell me I'm good at this. You actually have to go out and be critical about yourself, how you work, what you make, what you do. Be smart about comparing that to the existing market landscape and be sure you're going to do something that nobody else can do, or at least not do easily. Um, I, I think you also have to know that there's no such thing as easy money. So if you don't believe in what you're doing, you're going to have a real hard time surviving long enough to start seeing a return on your investment, whether that's cash, time, yeah. sweat, blood, beer, whatever the thing <laughs> is. Um, it, it's going to take longer than you think it will, and you have to be prepared and, and resolved to, to do that. I'll jump on that bandwagon myself. I mean, I know that, you know, I'm a millennial. I'll be 33 in, in, in May. And uh, my my generation needs instant gratification. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. My attention span needs instant gratification all the time. <laughs> I get it. Well, you were telling me about the six things you were doing before you even walked in this room to do the podcast. I mean, I understand that. But, you know, what are the things folks can do right now to support the local beer movement, you know, coming out of COVID? What are some of the things that you'd like to see? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I think right as we went into COVID, there was the, the drumbeat got really loud for um, voting for the, the economy you want to see with your dollar, mm -hmm. right? So if you are cash flush, you've done a great job squirreling away some money, the, the choice is yours to decide what the landscape of your own city is gonna look like uh, going forward. And if you have things that you love, like restaurants that you love, but you haven't been there in three years, go to the damn restaurant. Yeah. Because they might not be there if you don't. Right. right. And it's crazy to think that it's those small micro gestures where one guest, if, if everybody who loved Cyprus went to Cyprus, maybe Cyprus would still be here. Right. Or pick a restaurant, pick a brewery, pick a pick a small retailer, pick your local mom and pop ice cream shop. So voting local and voting with your dollar is a real thing that you can do every single day. It's so easy to just order shit from Amazon. Excuse me, I use it too. Yeah, but I, if I you can it. find that thing locally, then there's somebody who sells that, who's paying rent to somebody else who lives here locally, mm -hmm. or they're paying an employee who lives and works and spends money locally. And those dollars stay here and keep going back into the cycle. Uh, and it's a much more sustainable model. So right. um, I think for, especially on the brewery side of things, if you like beer, please go to your local brewery, come to ours, go to the one down the street, doesn't matter. But every beer you buy um, at local tap room is money that stays in town. And then if you're going out for dinner, you're at those restaurants again, and you're finally feeling safe to leave your house and venture out to the restaurant world, and they have a local beer list and a not local beer list, please buy the local beer because that means the bar sells it, which means they have to order more beer from our local distributor mm -hmm. who also pays taxes and employs people locally. And then those people come back to the breweries and they buy more kegs and the system can continue. I love that, man. I mean, I actively do try to seek out the local place wherever I am. I mean, it's Portland, Oregon or Charleston, South Carolina or Tennessee, like I'm looking for the local beer there. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something you don't get as often as, as possible because distribution is hard yes. and it's expensive. It gets more expensive yeah. and it, the, the margins are even tighter. Yeah. So it's, it's a hard way to do it. But 
I mean, we are, again, super lucky in Charleston anyway. Some of your listeners may be out of state or in different cities. Yeah. But we are very fortunate in this city to have uh, an entire economy that really is hyper-local. Compared to some of the other cities I've lived in in my lifetime, Charleston loves local restaurants. They love local purveyors. They like local uh, fishermen. They like... We're lucky in Charleston to have restaurants, uh, breweries, artists, musicians, and we're, happy, we're lucky to have uh, customers in this town that are, that are eager to support those. Agreed. You know, so actually, that. I did a photo shoot last week for my website and some stock photos for social media and all that. I mean, I'm that guy right now. Yeah. I have a guy following me around to a restaurant taking photos, but I had tradesman beer in my hand. And so hopefully I'll have all those photos of the tradesmen here <laughs> That'd be awesome. on my website. So, that, you know, people come and say, like, oh, nice. what's that beer? That's pretty cool. That strategic placement right there. It is. It's brand awareness. All that tradesman logos. Don't look right here. <laughs> Don't look right here. It's nothing to see. So there's a sales funnel, right? I mean, I'm not a salesman by any means, but like, you know, it's, it's all about awareness. Once you get the awareness going and then people like, they're like, okay, I know about this brand. I want to learn more about it. Then they're able to engage with you mm -hmm. as a company. And then yes, once they engage with you, they research, whatever it is, and then they then you can convert them into a client. Yes. And so, you know, just, just by seeing your container, you know, ship container thing out there, the big, you know, lime green, I know you did that for a reason. It's very mm -hmm. visible. It's visible. And uh, like I'm like, oh, I need to stop there for a beer right now. So for any small business owner, myself included, like if you if you feel like you know, you, you want to just go spend an extra dollar or two at a local business. Don't be afraid to do it. If you feel like you mm -hmm. want to start saving some more money and squirrel it away, go talk to your local financial planner and find a way to uh, save in a liquid asset or a retirement asset or even a, a property, whatever it is. But go out there, spend your hard-earned money, put it toward, towards, you know, your local economy and keep it growing. That's what keeps these large cities and small cities afloat. Yeah. So I, I know you're a big fan of, of bicycles. Right. Yes. Right. So you like bicycles. How can folks get involved with the beer riders or any of the charity rides that you're doing right now? Thank you for that, man. Yeah. Good plug. Uh, so, yeah, we do have a group that we started called the Charleston Beer Riders. Okay. It is a semi-competitive, non-competitive um, group of people who have, uh, they're, they're really, they're beer drinkers that have a cycling problem. <laughs> so, you know, all told, we've got uh, a, a number of rides and events going on all the time if you're on facebook you can search out charleston beer riders i'm the admin if you like bikes feel free to come play with us all all levels welcome all bikes are good bikes nice um, that said we we do support a couple of charities actively one of them is the jdrf my business partners have two children with type 1 diabetes so every year we participate in their ride for the cure program which is um you know you can ride bikes and collect donations that all go to diabetes research. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is for the uh, Hollings uh, Cancer Center here at NUSC. Yeah, yeah. They have an event they host now called Movello. And it is, again, the same same kind of model. We all pledge to ride, we raise money. It all goes to cancer research. And um, I, I, run, those are, I run for them. My miles go towards Movello. That's it. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Right. We talked about that's yeah. this. So we, you know, we've got a, actually a huge crew. We were the first ones to register this year for that ride. We already have 30 people in our Peloton and it's cool. growing. So we've got, a, we'll have a gang of people at that start line this year uh, doing the ride. And nice. I know you're a runner, but if you want to come play bikes, yeah, I'll do it. you could sign up for that little 25 miler or something, something that's not, 
I mean, you're, you're fit. You could handle it. Just give me a helmet. I'll do it. You can do it. I can run right. with a helmet on. I'm like <laughs> part of the bill of <laughs> Right. So, um, you know, for me, riding bikes is a great way to, um, one, get some headspace for thinking, mm -hmm. right? Problem solving. Uh, it's also a great way to make sure that I don't turn into a triple extra large uh, cherubic man. You right? don't want, so you I have to burn off these beer calories somehow. You don't want to cultivate mass? I don't need to cultivate any more <laughs> mass. I already put the mass in classy. <laughs> man, it's been great having you on. I mean, I'm sure our, our listeners are going to learn a lot from owning a business, what it takes, margins, you know, cash flow, how important it is. So what is it that you'd like our listeners to know about you personally, your business, or any upcoming events? Sure. Uh, know that our, our door is always uh, welcome. If you're interested to know more about the beer business, you can go any brewery, but you're welcome to come into our place and we'd be happy to let you pick our brains. It's not a, it's not a secret society. It's not a closed door system, right? We, yeah. we love talking about what we do and we're always happy to share information about it. Um, you know, if you're on, uh, again, Facebook or Instagram, follow us on tradesmanbrewing.com. That's the big thing. Uh, and if you like beer, come give us a shot. And if you don't like beer, give us a shot at seeing if we can convert you. <laughs> so are you guys distributing outside of the Charleston area? Where is anybody locally that can find you or outside of the locally? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we do sell beer statewide now. So if you're uh, not in Charleston, then maybe you're up in Columbia, maybe you're up in Greenville. Um, there are usually some, some good beer pubs around that will be carrying our product. Uh, Total Wine and more bottles greens there's some great retailers out there that are kind lowe's foods whole foods earth fairs uh those are those are retailer retail partners of ours that we're lucky to have and we appreciate them very much nice go buy some beer so your your what where are your handles on social media where people can look you up yep tradesman brew doesn't matter what the platform is if you're on you know instagram facebook twitter at tradesman brew is the link you're looking for uh follow us smash your like buttons and uh Come have a beer. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Appreciate that so much. I mean, All right. So you can find Portfolio Pulse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, any of your you know Anchor.fm type of podcasts. Um, make sure that you subscribe. You listen to all of our all of our episodes. We've got not just medical professionals, but brewery owners and and people with high class like like Chris Wynn here. So if you <laughs> high like, test maybe, but maybe not high class. Yeah. <laughs> if you like beer, if you like bikes, if you just like having a good time, come down to Tradesman Brewing here in Charleston, South Carolina. If you come down here for a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, I'm sure there's plenty of those. Yeah, there. we're a great place for throwing office parties, whatever you need. We yeah. got a great, we got a great venue. Come check it out. Make sure you step by. All right. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, man. Talk Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit. This podcast is for information purposes only. Michael Stephen Husky is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 6115 Park South Drive, Suite 200, Charlotte, North Carolina 28210, 704-552-8507. Securities products and advisory services offered through PASS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. 
Husky Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Pass or Guardian. Chris Wynn and Tradesman Brewing Company are not affiliated with or endorsed by Pass, Guardian, or Husky Financial, and opinions stated are their own.